Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. Today's guest on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast is Marty McEwen. Now, Marty is a longtime licensed professional counselor and coach who specializes in stage fright, performance anxiety, and fear of public speaking for people in business, the arts, the professions, politics, and academics. Now, Marty's unique approach will allow you to calm your performance fears and increase your comfort and confidence in any setting. Marty is the co-developer with Stephanie Eldringhoff of the Rapid Release Leaf Technique or Process, a vital part of the Stage Fright Cure. Now, she came to the Stage Fright Cure from a combination of her own professional knowledge and personal experience. You see, Marty has severe stage fright herself, so she knows how uncomfortable and limiting it can be. She also knows how it feels to be free of it, and she's here to tell us all about our journey. So let's welcome Marty McEwen to the Be Seen Me Love podcast. Hi, Marty. Hey, Christy. It's lovely to be here. I'm excited to share some of my experience and ideas with your audience so they can be more comfortable when they're up in front of people. Absolutely. I am. I love this topic because I, too, experience severe stage fright or glossophobia, as you know it's called. That's right. Yep. And you got over it. I did. Over many years, many years of yeah. practice, I began to love speaking. Wonderful. And, and I see that you do the same as well. It's a freeing experience, right? Oh, yes. Be able to get up in front of people without all the physical discomfort and the nerves and the shaking and the sweating and the heart pounding and the worried thoughts and all of that that goes along with it that you're sure familiar with if you've had it before. I am sure familiar with it too. And and I'm sure many of your audience knows exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. They say that people fear public speaking over death. Is it nine out of 10 or something like that? I have a lot of fun explaining that. You know, Years ago, there were some polls, you know, some surveys done Uh about what people were most afraid of. So they had a list of things and people would pick, they would pick snakes or 
public speaking or death, right? Well, death came up number six or something like that. And public speaking came up number one. So that's where that comes from. But I don't think people are more afraid of public speaking than death. I think they just think about public speaking more than death. They're more likely to pick public speaking than death because death is way far out there. But public speaking is right here. Ah, gotcha. Jerry Seinfeld made that joke about you'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. But on the serious side, there are a very high percentage of people who are afraid of speaking, but that's not the only form of stage fright. You know, I mean, there are people who like me, I was terribly afraid of singing in front of anyone. And some people are afraid of writing or putting their artwork out or interviewing for a job or, you know, any number of places where the fear of doing something for someone else's consideration or enjoyment that's my definition is the fear of doing anything for someone else's consideration or enjoyment so you're really putting yourself out there for evaluation of some kind and I think that's a big part of what makes us nervous and scared and anxious about the situation and that's the key for sure doing something for someone else not for ourselves and then Therefore, we start to wonder, you know, what do they think about it? Am I doing it right? Mm-hmm. All these, are they judging me? Are they criticizing me? Are they going to make fun of me? Am I going to mess up? And what mm-hmm. are they, all these thoughts go in our minds. But tell us your story. How did you transform from someone who had severe stage fright to being a stage fright expert? <laughs> By having it and then <laughs> figuring out how to get out of it. I was a part of Toastmasters for many years, and I think you were too. That was very helpful in terms of public speaking. I could really bypass or manage my fear about public speaking, which was exactly that, what you were talking about. I'm going to say something stupid, or I'm not going to do it right, or they're going to be comparing me to other people or whatever. But public speaking was not my biggest fear. I didn't realize that until I tried to take a voice lesson to learn to be a singer. I went to my first voice lesson and the teacher was very nice. And she said, well, what do you want out of your lesson? So and so I told her and then she had me do some la la la's and that was fine. And then she said, sing me a song. And I just completely and utterly froze in my tracks. And it wasn't just freezing, it was terror. It was something so threatening that my heart started to pound and I couldn't make a sound. I couldn't squeak out a sound. And she actually had just asked me to sing Mary Had a lamb, Little Lamb or something, you know, nothing, nothing difficult. But something fired off inside of me in that moment that put me into a sense of such danger that I couldn't move. I couldn't sing. I couldn't make a sound. And, and it was scary to my teacher. She didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. And eventually I calmed down just enough, you know, to carry on a little bit. But I was so tense and so tight that I couldn't sing. I mean, you have to be kind of loose and relaxed to be able to sing well. So that was the first time I, I knew that there was any triggered response in me in terms of performing as a singer. And at that point, point in time. I couldn't even get out the words, I'm a singer or I'm learning to sing because it was so at cross purposes with who I thought I was on the inside that it created an immense amount of anxiety for me. And as a matter of fact, I tried to quit singing. I thought, you know, I'm just doing this for fun. Why the heck am I putting myself through this if it's just for fun? There was no 
gun at my head or, you know, and nobody, nobody pushing me into it. It was a completely thing I wanted to do for fun. And I thought if, if this is what it's like, it's not fun. I won't do it. So I better figure out how to get over it. Right. So I made that determination. Actually, I tried to quit several times and I just couldn't, you know, how sometimes you're just, something's just in you and you can't stop even if you try. So about the same time in my therapy practice, I was using some techniques that come under the umbrella of energy psychology. And the, the premise of energy psychology is that when we're in some kind of a disrupted state like that, like that fear, like that terror I was going through, there's also some disruption in our energy systems. And by energy systems, I mean our subtle energy, like our acupuncture meridians and our chakras and our biofield and some other subtle energy fields that are a natural part of our systems. And when they're running fine and we feel fine, there's no disruption in the energy. But when we're in a state like I was in, then there is a disruption in the energy. And the good news is that we can figure out and correct the disruptions in the energy even in the face of getting up in front of people, even in the face of some past trauma that we're getting over, even in the face of some fear we have, we can correct the disruptions in the energy. And by golly, our thoughts and our feelings and our perception of the situation correct as well. So no longer is the situation scary. No longer is the situation so threatening. And no longer do our bodies fire off the way they ordinarily would. So I was using energy psychology techniques in my practice for all kinds of other things like you know trauma and depression, anxiety, and, and very successfully. And I thought, well, why don't I just take these same techniques and see if I can get over my stage fright with them? That's what I did. I started to self-apply these energy psychology techniques to myself while I was concentrating on performing or singing or whatever it was that was under the surface that was producing these feelings. And by golly, those feelings started to diminish. And of course, when your fear relaxes, then you can speak better or sing better or dance better or write better because you have more bandwidth to put to your purpose rather than, as you said earlier, being all balled up in your self-concern. So gradually, I combined the energy psychology techniques and then my colleague Stephanie Eldringoff and I came up with this rapid relief process, which is a very comprehensive version of energy psychology that's very easy to learn, and it can be used for self-help. And I applied that to the stage fright cure. Not only did I get over my own stage fright, but I've been working with musicians and executives and artists and all kinds of people to get over theirs. Wow, I wish I would have met you about 20 years ago. When I first found that I had stage fright and I like what you said about terror. And I remember that terror. The first day I joined Toastmasters International, I remember getting off of work at five and the meeting started at seven and sitting in the car for two hours, screaming, crying, hyperventilating, calling my mother. I was terrified to walk in that door because I knew they were going to ask me to speak. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. And it took a long time for me to get over that. But your rapid relief technique can pretty much change that in an instance, right? By little, by increments. Yep. I have had some people using the rapid relief process that's just turned it around very quickly. But it's often a process because there are many aspects of us inside that are producing that fear. 
like when you were sitting in the car, just terrified to go in there, there's, there was some maybe personal history or some, something about your self-concept or for me, there was a series of events that happened in my early life that gave me to believe that I didn't have any right to get up and sing in front of anybody. Who was I to think I would be? Mm. Our beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about the world or what we are entitled to or capable of, as you very well know, are shaped by our experiences and what we've been told about ourselves or you know what we've learned in our cultures. And so sometimes it's a process rather than boom. But I got to tell you, people not only get over stage fright, but all kinds of other things so much faster when the energy system is included in the process. That's right. And a lot of people don't understand the turmoil that we went through as the children. You know, parents used to say, hey, shut up, be quiet. Or teachers, shut mm-hmm. up, be quiet. You know, those things stay with us for so long. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time for us as adults to really get out there and shine and really be our own and speak, all those thoughts about, hey, shut up, be quiet, come in our mind. And that's what stops us. And so I can see that there's many different layers. And for everybody, I'm sure they have different layers that you have to kind of peel off one after another to get to the core of that and release. You can do some detective work, too, so that it isn't just you have to peel off all these layers and it takes Uh years and years. Once I bumped into the stage fright, I didn't know I had. I started to do a little internal detective work about why it is this. To be very broad brush about it, it boiled down to my self-concept and my self-esteem. I was deathly afraid that people were going to find me out to be the nerd that I thought I was. Oh, that's a big one. You know what I mean? They're going to find out that we are those secret fears of who we think we might be. And we're going to stand up in front of people and present ourselves to them, and they're going to see through us. They're going to see that we are this, quote unquote, X, Y, Z, who doesn't have any right to get up and speak, who doesn't, right, or who is going to get punished for speaking out, right, or is breaking rules, just kind of going back to what you said, you were breaking rules, you know, the rule was stifle. When you get up to speak, you're daring to break those rules, and it, it sounds like it took you a while to get used to the idea. I say this. it did, because now you're talking about that. The self-limiting yeah. beliefs I had within me, this lack of confidence that I had within myself, that was playing too. So there was like a big double whammy going on in my head. Oh, uh-huh. Christy, you're, you're true this, you're true that, you're not enough of that, or comparing yourself with other people who have been speaking for many, many years. Right. Who are you to think you should be doing this? Well, right. Who's going to listen to you? You're, you're stupid. You don't have anything to say. You know, on and on and on. And oftentimes those things, we experience those things not as like explicit words in our heads, but just as a feeling. It wasn't until after I figured out where my stage fright was coming from and I started to dismantle it with the tools that I had, that I even actually realized that those things were going on while I was standing out in the wings with my knees shaking and my palms sweaty, you know? It was just that my knees were shaking and my palms were sweaty. I didn't really sit down and think, oh, I know, it was because my brother said this to me when I was six. I mean, it, it, that was not in my mind at all. But the residue of that was left in my system. And we don't even really realize where it's coming from until we start to understand that it comes from somewhere. It's good talking to you because I'm finding out more about myself right now. (laughs) But what do you say to other people who 
want to quit. You wanted to quit as well. You're like, I'm just doing this for a hobby. Why am I even, why am I even pursuing this? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that I've seen over the years experience that stage fright and they leave. And that's, has been my mission all these years, last 18 years, Mm -hmm. is to stop them and to bring them back and encourage them that, hey, we can get over this together. Mm -hmm. But so many people allow the stage fright or the feelings that they experience to stop them and they just quit. Where do those people go? And what would you say to those people? First of all, I would say to them that the first step is to understand that stage fright comes from somewhere. It isn't a personality flaw. It isn't something you were born with. It isn't make you a weak person. I think a lot of people have stage fright for whatever reason I can, and I can kind of get it. They don't want to tell anybody that they have stage fright because it's a sign of weakness or it means that they're not good at what they do or, you know, they just can't cope for some reason. And that's a sign of weakness. But what I want people to know is that it isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign that some part of your brain has an association going on with the act of speaking or singing or writing or putting yourself out there that's causing this discomfort in you. It's not the truth. It's a physiological mind-body energy reaction that's happening within you. And so don't quit. If people quit because of stage fright, it's because one, they think it's part of their personality and there's nothing to do about it. And two, they don't have the tools to realize what to do about it. And if they had those two things in mind, if they knew that there was a way to, to I don't even want to say conquer it, if they, if they knew there was a way to dispel it so they weren't so afraid and uncomfortable, then they would be able to continue to do what they set out to do in the first place. They wouldn't have to quit. I, I'm totally with you in terms of helping people get over what seems like insurmountable obstacle so they can continue to do what it is they want to do. And they have these talents and gifts within them that are not being exposed because it's hidden inside and stuck inside because of the fear. And that's sad to see for sure. Exactly. I'm working right now with a singer-songwriter in Canada who is extremely talented. Oh, my gosh. And she had a very, very, very difficult upbringing. So she has gotten way far in her career in spite of the fact that she was terrified every time she went on stage. So now I can't help her with her singing and her songwriting. That's not my expertise. But my expertise is to help her be more comfortable and grounded and centered and present with the singing that she's doing. And and it's working. It's working beautifully. That's great to hear. I had no idea. Yeah, there's so many beautiful gifts that aren't able to shine like they should be able to because of this fear. Mm -hmm. And I see fear as a big black mass (laughs) and Uh you push that mass away and then you can really step into your power. So tell me a little bit more about this energy psychology disruption. You know about acupuncture? I know about acupuncture, acupressure. Yes. All of those things. Well, as it turns out, and we know this kind of by reverse engineering, When we're in a state of discomfort, our meridians are off balance, our chakras are out of balance, our biofield is out of balance. And most of the approaches to psychology, to changing people's thoughts and feelings and behaviors and perspectives, 
has been through either a mental intervention, like just think different thoughts. If you think different thoughts, then you'll have different feelings. Or through pharmaceuticals, just take a pill and change your physiology first through pharmaceuticals, and then that will change things. But there's an, an aspect of our systems, the energy system that I just mentioned, when we're in discomfort, there's a disruption in the energy field. And there are certain things you can do, mind-body things that you can do to disrupt the disruption. Mm. In other words, to dismantle the disruption that's in the energy field. And by golly, you feel different. Wow. And by golly, you think differently. By golly, the audience doesn't look so threatening. Even if you don't sing perfectly, oh, well, you're learning. Instead of, oh, my God, they're going to hate me. I'm going to sound terrible. And I'm, you know, so it's part of the brain in our midbrain called mm -hmm. the amygdala. Some people have heard of it. Some people have not. Is the place where our brains look out for threat. And if there's threat perceived, then the amygdala sends a signal to the pituitary and the hypothalamus and, and down to the adrenal glands, which then pumps out cortisol and adrenaline. And it's the cortisol and the adrenaline that produces all those stage fright symptoms, all those fight, flight, or freeze symptoms. And in my case, when my first voice lesson, it was freeze, definitely. <laughs> and so what energy psychology does and the rapid relief process does is to disconnect the amygdala's association with the past events that are causing it to go, uh-uh, uh, -uh, uh, -uh. Don't do that. You know what happens when you stand up and you, you speak up. So your amygdala has an association with past events that makes the present event seem threatening, even if it's not. So the energy psychology techniques, and in specific, the rapid relief process, disconnects the amygdala's association with those past events so that it doesn't fire off when you are in a similar situation in the present subconsciously, I'm not associating having the audacity to sing for people connected with what my brother said about me when I was 10, to be sim oversimplify it. So when I take the emotional charge off of what my brother said when I was 10, all of a sudden, I have more freedom to be in the present. And I'm not hijacked by the energy of that old association. That's interesting. I think everybody needs this. My goodness. Well, and, and, and what you say, everybody needs this, and that kind of prompts me to, to say that this is not just about stage fright. No, it's not. It's not no. About, because let's say in a relationship, let's just go way some other topic. In a relationship, your partner says something that you perceive as being hurtful, but they didn't mean it that way, but you perceived it as being hurtful. And you get all upset. What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, you get all upset about it. What's happening is that it's threatening to you, whatever that person has just said. And so the amygdala goes, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> and then you have all of those upset feelings because the amygdala, your brain, is looking at the situation through an outmoded filter. If this person who's in front of you, I mean, I'm sure there are people who intend to be mean to other people, but if the person in front of you is truly benign, but you're offended by whatever it says, it could trigger off a whole cascade of relationship stuff that isn't really necessary. Oh, I can see that. Yes, I can see how this can help in so many different ways. Now, for our listeners, is there 
three tips that you can give them that they can cure or help not cure because they don't have the stage for a cure yet, but ways that they can help themselves to kind of get over this in a natural way. I'm really hoping that our conversation already has helped because what we're helping people to do and what you do the same, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. is to help people get objective about what's going on rather than being taken over by it subjectively. Tip number one for me is to recognize objectively that something's being triggered inside your own skin when you have stage fright. And it does not mean that you're a terrible speaker or singer or actor or musician or writer or whatever it is. And it also doesn't mean that the people out there are going to judge you harshly. When we're seeing someone else perform, we're not sitting there thinking, oh, man, that was terrible, you know. We are, we're supportive of them, of that person, no matter where they are in their learning journey. So that's the first tip number one, is to have people think about it as, oh, something's going on within my, within me that mm-hmm. doesn't have any meaning in terms of how well I do what I do or what people are thinking of me or what the outcome is going to be and kind of separate internally, mentally, kind of separate that arousal state from the situation at hand. I would say that's one thing. And then in the face of that, number two, in the face of that, cut yourself some slack. I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much in a nutshell, absolutely. Cut yourself some slack. It's like, calm down. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Calm down and recognize that it isn't something that's wrong with you. It's something that's happening inside of you, but it isn't something that's wrong with you. Mm. It's a whole different mindset. You know, when I work with people who have stage fright, there's the stage fright itself. But very often, the first thing we address is their judgment of themselves for having stage fright in the first place. And if they can at least first cut themselves some slack for having this reaction going on inside, they didn't choose it. They didn't create it. So that would be the second thing would be cut yourself some slack. And then in number three is talk sweet to your amygdala. Talk sweet to your amygdala. I like that. Usually, you know, we have, we do affirmations, you know, affirmations, most folks know what affirmations are. They're, they're positive statements that start with I am. And it's an attempt to change our perception of ourselves or change who we think we are in the world, right? I'm going to offer a little bit of a variation on that, which is to actually talk to the part of your brain that is mistakenly afraid. You've learned over your years at Toastmasters, now that you're not afraid, that there was really never any reason to be afraid in the first place. Absolutely. There's no threat. There is absolutely no threat, but the one I put up on myself. That's it. Because everyone at Toastmasters is so encouraging, so loving. They're always giving advice and so helpful. I put that completely 100% on Christy. But you didn't do it on purpose. Oh, no, no. Your amygdala was firing off. My amygdala was going crazy. Yes, it was, it was firing <laughs> off on a rocket ship. So what I would say, had you known then, and 20 years ago, I have to say, Christy, I wouldn't have known how to tell you this either. So, you know, don't worry about that either. But it's to talk nice to your amygdala. And you could even talk out loud to your amygdala if you're in private. and Nobody's going to think you're crazy. But talking sweet to your amygdala is like, don't worry, it's okay. And we're going to be all right. Those people are really friendly. You're just learning, you know, 
when they started, they were learning too. They're not going to fault you for that. So you're talking sweet to your amygdala, just like you would to a little child inside your brain that's freaking out because they're scared to go to the birthday party. And it is very reassuring. The idea is it's reassuring to you, but more than that, it's reassuring to the part of your brain that's freaking out in the first place. It isn't really you that's freaking out. It's this part of your brain that's freaking out. And you can have some influence on that by being what I call a good coach to yourself. Absolutely. And I realized my own transformation from how I used to talk to myself back then to how I speak to myself now. And even now, you know, the the, the jitters will start and I'll say, Chrissy, you know, it's okay. Or before Mm -hmm. I'd say, oh my God, what is, you know, this is over, where's your door? Maybe I should just slide out and not do the cancel everything. So the way you talk to yourself is so, so very important, so vital to how you get over it. And I, and I find that I'm more calm then. So, okay, Chrissy, you're an experienced speaker. Everything's going to be okay. You've spoken in front of crowds like this on hundreds of, of occasions. Yeah. And you have a great speech. You're going to just work on serving and helping other people through your message. And that usually calms me down. But the self-inner talk is, is totally different. You're right. And, and I think the distinction that or the add-on to that I want to emphasize is that you're not really talking to yourself. You're talking to this part of your brain that's got it all wrong and thinks that there's some reason to be afraid when there really isn't. Super. Those are some great, great tips, Marty, for sure. So we're going to acknowledge something is going on in the first place and separate the internal from the mental. Number two, we are going to cut ourselves some slack. Be nice and kind to yourself. It's going to be okay. You will survive this and many, many more, hopefully. And last, sweet talk, your amygdala. We all need that, right? Yes. It was so enjoyable having you on the show today, Ms. Marty. Uh, Can you please tell our listeners, how can they find you? It's very simple. My my website is stagefright.com. Oh, that's simple. That's easy. Stagefright.com. Wow. How'd you get that? (laughs) It's a story. (laughs) Okay. Because I'm sure that's a very, very expensive domain, but... Somebody sold it to me in, for a very small price by mistake. Wow, by mistake? So I grabbed it, and then they wanted it back. And I said, oh, I don't think so. Oh, wow, you <laughs> lucked out. That is that is awesome. All right, well, thank you again for being on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I truly, truly thank enjoyed you, you and, the, and the information that you gave our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.